So here's a question for you. Would you benefit from ongoing support to improve your bottom line and ultimately help you master the business of practice ownership? Tracy Trepesky International offers you a proven, impeccably designed method to scale your practice while preserving your most precious assets, your time and energy. We blend business consulting with executive leadership to bring you what you need most to help you become an agile, entrepreneurial CEO while serving your patients with the utmost attention to their care. You receive individualized coaching and support from me and our professional team, providing the best of business consulting and executive leadership coaching to grow your practice without working more. Schedule your complimentary 45-minute strategy call at tracytrapesky.com. Welcome to Thriving Practice. I'm your host, Tracy Trapesky, and I can't wait to introduce you to our incredible guests and to share business tips and strategies that will help make your life easier and support you in becoming the exquisitely fulfilled CEO you're meant to be. I am on a mission to help practice owners take back one day per week for the rest of their careers so they can focus on healing their patients and maximizing their profits. No more sacrificing your personal life or feeling burnt out. It's time to take back control and create the practice of your dreams. Whether you're a seasoned provider or just starting out, this podcast is your go-to resource for actionable advice and inspiration. Together, we'll uncover the hidden potentials within your practice and propel you towards the success and freedom you crave. So if you're ready to transform your practice, make a lasting impact and reclaim that one day per week for yourself, then you're in the right place. Let's embark on this journey together. Welcome to a new episode of A Thriving Practice, the business podcast for medical, dental, and healthcare practices where we help provider owners grow their business and take back their time. It's me, Tracy, and I am thrilled to have you with us today. In this episode, we have an extraordinary guest, Dr. Felicia Fro, who is a true advocate for empowering professional women to achieve financial independence and create a lasting change in the world. Dr. Fro is the owner of Money with Mission, an investment company focused on empowering professional women to build wealth and achieve financial freedom through social impact investing. As a real estate syndicator, Felicia has partnered with like-minded investors and has raised money for several social impact projects, including residential assisted living home in Kansas City, Missouri, focused on providing elderly residents experiencing memory problems with personalized care. With her partners at the Eco Alliance Group, she's providing healthy food to food desert areas with indoor vertical farms and grocery stores. In addition to real estate investing, Dr. Fro is a licensed urological surgeon with over 20 years of experience and was one of the first 100 female urologists in the U.S. She has written many best-selling books, including How to Create Wealth That Outlives You. Plus, she's an advocate for sharing the great work others are doing for their community through her podcast called Money with Mission. Felicia believes that having multiple streams of income not only provides support and options for professional women, but also allows them to continue their work if they choose while increasing their income. By harnessing the power of diverse income sources, women can have the financial stability they need to pursue their passions and make a positive difference in their communities. One of the challenges we face in any journey is the lack of knowledge about something we haven't learned yet. 
Felicia emphasizes the importance of seeking support from those who are further along in the process. By learning from experienced individuals or mentors, we can gain insights, avoid common pitfalls, and accelerate our progress towards the financial freedom that we crave. Another area Felicia is passionate about is social impact investing. She firmly believes that we can make a significant difference in the world by investing our resources wisely. Her mission is to help women invest beyond Wall Street and create opportunities that align with their values and contribute to a more sustainable and equitable future. But it's not just about financial success. Felicia talks about the importance of self-care. She reminds us that waiting for the perfect moment is a trap and the key is to start now. Also, taking care of yourself and taking action steps towards your goals are essential steps in creating the life and legacy you desire. And if all of this wasn't already remarkable, Felicia and her partners have created Fresh RX, which provides fresh produce for diabetics in need. And They've created RG Foods, providing food access to enhance the health of Northeast Oklahoma through food-based community revitalization. We're providing links in the show notes so you can support their work if you feel moved to do so. I really wanted to have Felicia on the show to share that it's possible to create a different path to financial freedom to help open up possibilities for you to run your practice the way you want, rather than being hamstrung by insurance payouts or other financial constraints. So if you're looking to increase your income, make a positive social impact, and take control of your financial future, you are in for a treat. Felicia shares invaluable insights and practical tips to help you on your journey. Get ready to be inspired and empowered. Stay tuned for an enriching conversation that will fuel your ambition, ignite your passion, and equip you with the tools you need to thrive in your professional life while making a positive change in the world. Let's listen to this incredible conversation with Dr. Felicia Fro. Felicia. Dr. Felicia Fro, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My, my cheeks hurt because we've been laughing so much. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Tracy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to continue oh, our conversation. <laughs> me too. And who knows where we'll end up, <laughs> what rabbit hole we might go down. Yeah. Well, before we start diving into rabbit holes, I would love to hear first where you're located um, and then tell us a little bit about your company and what you do. Okay. At this very moment, I'm actually in Lawton, Oklahoma. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Lawton's about two and a half hours south, so about two hours from the Texas border. Um, And I part-time practice urology and full-time have my company Money with Mission that is out here to make sure that and help professional women have multiple streams of income so that they can have options have the ability, financial ability to leave any job or relationship that's not in their best interest. That's just the biggest thing for me. And we could go into all that, the whys of that therapy gets you deep down into your stuff to help you understand Mm -hmm. why you do what you do. Thank God for therapy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very grateful for therapy. I actually recommend for most business owners, like you, you need a handful of people in like in your corner, a therapist is definitely one of them. If you want your stuff to come up, you should maybe start a company. (laughs) I I remember um, in one of my first practices, one of my partners that I was relatively close to came and said, um, I can't remember his wife's name. We're going to therapy and I'm going by myself sometimes like, 
normal people need to go to therapy. So this is like, just be, be happy, go normal. It's normal to me. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sad that there's such a stigma around it. Right. And we could go on and on about the mental health crises, multiple mental health crises we're having, especially in this country. But I think, um, you can't go wrong getting support and working through the things that wake you up at night or keep you from stepping out or striking out and doing your own thing or whatever, right? The things that are holding us back. And hundred percent so having a, an objective person to just run something by like your therapist has no, doesn't care how your business goes. They don't care. I mean, they care, but that what they're not invested in how your life actually goes or how your communication with your husband or wife or children goes. It just, it's just a way to run something by this objective person who can really help. Matter of fact, just this morning, it was really good to be able to have a conversation as this thing is happening. What? Da, 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 da. Oh, yep. take a breath. Here's what I see. And it was just like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when we can't see the forest for the trees, all we see is that one tree that's looking pretty sick. And so it's helpful. Yeah. That's really helpful. Well, I'd love to hear about what, one, you're a urologist and you were one of the first 100 female urologists in the US, I think. Brava. That's huge. (laughs) Yeah. Like I remember I like made sure to write that down because I thought that was really interesting. And I didn't really know because I have not needed to go to urologists that there are very few female urologists, very, very few, like a tiny percentage of urologists are female still. I don't know what the percentage is now. It's I've been very lucky actually in the last part of my career that I actually was in a group that had four of us. Mm. So that was really unusual because every other place I'd been and I moved around practices thinking medicine, thinking the place was the problem. Mm. We can get into mm-hmm. that at a different time. But um most of the time I was the only woman in a practice and it turned out, you no know, urology, when you're in residency, you're working on men, you're learning about men's gen, um, kidney, well, both men and women, kidney surgical things, but men's genitalia and, and vasectomies and testicle problems and prostate problems and all that. Um, when you're the only woman in a practice, all the women want to see you. So you learn more about incontinence and vaginal problems, a lot, lot of gynecology stuff without mm-hmm. having to do the baby delivery kind of thing. So right. my practice up until probably 10 years ago was primarily female urology. That's awesome. I would imagine if I had a need for a urologist, I would much prefer to see a woman. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of icky. I don't know. I don't know what the word to say prejudice bias that way mm-hmm. in that I'd rather see a woman physician and almost get an attitude when I have to go see a guy and really kind of have to check myself that I'm going to behave properly mm-hmm. when I have to see it. Cause this is the guy who's the person that I'm supposed to see. They're good. Da, da, da. They have the right quality, you know, all the things yeah. it's like, and they are the person. So you you got to do the right thing. And you just, I just have to really check my attitude because I, I can be a little funky sometimes. Yeah, I understand that. And I think, you know, it's interesting because like actually one of my former clients who's been on the podcast, um, he is a, he's a women's health specialist and kind of specializing in fertility, but he talks a lot about like, yeah, there's like the male side of things, um, but how much he's learned 
to listen to women, to really help them feel heard. Uh And I think in no small part, it's because he has two daughters. Yeah. Like, I think he's a very genuinely good human who cares. And he's watched his daughters be medically gaslighted and go through situations where they're, they're, you know, female health, reproductive health issues or whatever have come up and they've not been listened to and he's helped them learn to advocate. So I, I do think that if I needed a specialist, I would want to go to the one that people recommended and yes. had a good experience with. And so I guess if I needed a man to be helping me with my lady parts, I would have a different attitude if they came exactly. highly recommended. Lady parts. Some women yeah. go to the doctor. I mean, if you have a Sometimes we're gaslighted about our chest pain. Yes. We're yes. gaslighted about our a lot, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. oh honey, you're okay. There's just mm-hmm. like you there's no way you're having a heart attack. And then the next thing you yeah. know, just woman's in the hospital dead for because yeah. her heart yes. didn't work. So yeah. there's it I'm gonna I hope it's better. I think it's better, but there is definitely a lot of gap in women's health care in general, not just mm-hmm. our genitalia overall health care and men's and it's just um, the gap is closing i i'm hopeful yeah there's so much we don't even know there's there's just so much we don't even know so that's yeah. the, the other thing is about how everything's going together and i think we're working a lot harder there's a lot of more research on emotions and health and psychology and health and mm-hmm. people are maybe starting to believe that your mental health is all your health and has something to do sometimes with all the more somatic symptoms that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can kind of put all these things together eventually and not keep just medicating everybody to death and not just surgeryize everything and maybe really get healthy and not keep participating in our sick care system that we have. So that's another soapbox for myself, but Oh, yeah. I'll jump right up (laughs) next to you and I'll I'll hold the megaphone for you. Yeah. It's uh Yeah. Well, I think this is part of what, when you and I spoke before that fire, that, you know, that passion that you bring and that, that the principles, right. That you ground yourself in, I think is very attractive. And one of the reasons that I thought sharing your story would be really useful and um, beneficial to our listeners, right. To like hear that. I think it's easy. I do a lot of work with people who are like on the verge of burnout or like starting the recovery from burnout. Mm. And it's really easy to get kind of stuck in that. I call it the success trap, work, 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 hamster wheel, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then also being hamstrung by the institution and the the the, um, the systems that are in place, particularly in the U.S., because our healthcare health quotes on care system um, is, I think, really starting to show the cracks now. I think they've been there, but I think COVID really people started getting more serious about their health and well being. And it's changed, I think, what we expect from our providers. I think we're spackling the cracks right now, honestly. Mm-hmm. And if we could go back, people would go back. And mm-hmm. the whole thing about um, where we were talking about physicians being on the hamster wheel and the burnout, and do we put ourselves there? Yes, to some degree. And But once you're there, and once you're there, and you're on this, so just back up. You go yeah. to medical school and the majority of people going to medical school don't have the money to go to medical school. So you borrow a lot of money and yeah. so many physicians are coming out with six figure debt. 
So now you have to do this job and you, you take that on knowing you're going to have a great job and you're going to be able to pay it. And you don't think about how much you want to have a life because mm-hmm. residency and medical school and all that schooling, you've, you're, you look at your friends who didn't do that and they're doing so much better. So we have that, that whole consumerism mentality that's kind of almost bred into us at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate to say that, but we, we have that. So now you're out, you have six figure debt, you have a job and yes, you're making six figure income, hundred percent. Nobody's going to cry that doctors don't make money. Right. And we want a house and you want to have children and you want all these other things that don't always go with six figure debt, but you do them. And now Mm -hmm. you are bonded. You're stuck. You're handcuffed to this job. And Mm -hmm. if somebody says insurance companies are cutting reimbursements and the only, and we, our rent doesn't go down, rent goes up cost of everything goes up and reimbursements come down. So now you're in this place of, I have to run faster and see more people and spend less time with each one of them so that we can just keep where we are, Mm -hmm. not going further, just stay right where we are. And that's the, that's where that I think burnout comes because then you're, you're in this, I don't have a choice place. Yeah. I have all these things. I, have this debt, which takes forever to pay off. And it is the one debt that bankruptcy will not take away for you. Yeah. Um, it, it just becomes depressing and overwhelming and oppressive. And you feel like you have no other choices, but to keep running that wheel and going to therapy, believe it or not, as physicians sometimes is not looked upon well. You don't think yes. that's the thing you should do. Yes. This- I was just reading about this actually last week and I was like kind of shocked, right? That like 50% of physicians believe that they can handle their problems on their own, which is the irony of all ironies. Yes. Maybe not because they think they can, but maybe because they think they should. And there's that stigma around, you know, mental health. Yeah. Well, I mean, even our, our, our system is set up, our physician system is set up that, when you fill out your um, recredentialing forms every year, there's a question on there about mm-hmm. your mental health and have you, and they don't ask if you've seen a therapist, but is there anything about you that makes you not able to perform your duties? Da, 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 da. What are you going to say? Well, I mean, like this crippling anxiety and depression <laughs> about all the debt that, that I'm I in and I'm stuck in life. No, no, I don't <laughs> have anything. Don't get me started about the insurance companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm fine. Fine. Uh, right. We call it, we, that's the acronym is frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs> I'm <is>. fine. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing going though, is that there's so many um, people are recognizing this and, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it took the suicides and I'm not, I don't even remember the statistic on that. Maybe, you know, the statistic on how many physician suicides there are, but it's, I know that I women are four times more likely to attempt um, or complete a suicide. Women physicians are four times more likely than any other profession. Oh, really? 
Mm-hmm. I just was doing some research on this for an episode that we released recently. I did yeah. Okay. Ter- horrible. Right. And you can add to that, like, again, systemic issues, like we have all, all the stuff. And then we have like what is called the third shift or invisible labor, right? Women also then primarily taking care of the home and the children and the aging parents and the whoever's and yes, yeah. mm-hmm. all that. Plus the fact that I grew up in a home with domestic violence and saw my mother not be able to leave because mm-hmm. of financial reasons has got me to this place mm. where I want again, every woman to have the financial ability to leave the job or relationship that's not in her best interest. Yeah. Whether you do it or not, to have the ability to do it is just like a weight off of your shoulders. Like I can fucking excuse my language, walk away from this. Totally. (laughs) I have my FU package right over here, my money, my stuff, it's ready to go. I got options. I didn't tell you this. I had a podcast with um, Iyanla Van Zandt, who I didn't know she went to law school. And she said she went to law school and two years in, she's actually it was quicker than that, that she knew I don't want to do this. I don't like it. And at two years, she walked out. She said, I left my diploma on the wall. I left my honey in the drawer, picked up my purse and just walked away. Mm-hmm. Physicians. I don't know many physicians that do that, mm-hmm. that just know this is not for me. Yeah. And her thing was, I went to law school to do something other than practice law. Mm-hmm. And she just knew it. And kind of how I feel about medicine. I went to medical school and residency and did all these things, not because that wasn't the end game for me. I could just knew it wasn't. And it's, a, I feel like now I've found my purpose, the reason I'm here. And it is this, this preaching and working to help women like me, professional women, physicians, surgeons, figure out how to continue working where they're working if they want to, or leave and have multiple streams of income. Like you said, that third shift situation where, man, you can maybe just really want only two shifts. My day, four hours a day being a physician and the rest of the time I've got, I want to be a mom. I want to, I have to take care of my mother. I have to take care of my father. I have to do all these other things. And then you can still take care of yourself, Mm -hmm. which is actually the number one. I should have said that number one, first take care of yourself. Then you can take care of all these other things. So that's my drive, my my passion actually is my thing that is mm-hmm. just the thing that makes me when I don't want to do anything. It's like Felicia, every woman, everyone, you can't, you can't stop doing it. You can't. And it really could get me to tears sometimes when I really start thinking about things that women are going through. Yeah. Well, and to be so connected to this big why and your passion and turn it into something yeah. is to me, it's remarkable. And so tell us a little bit about money with mission. Like, so what, obviously I think we know why you started it, but like, so what are you doing? What are you helping these women achieve? So I'll, I'll give a little more background on myself with about 2004 ish. I had a, I bought a building with a group of physicians, women physicians, a building we were going to practice in. And we had a woman who is a business owner, help us manipulate and walk through that. And it was my first real estate deal, which believe it or not, I didn't realize it was a real estate deal until not that long ago. Um, But Cheryl, the woman who helped with that, the business owner introduced me to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I read Mm -hmm. that book, learned so much about money, assets, and there's a series of books, but I read all of them, gobbled them up, played the game, Cashflow 101, and started buying real estate. 
We bought 18 houses in two years, single family houses. We were going to take care of them, rehab them, rent them out, manage them, all the, yeah, all of it. Mm-hmm. 2008, 2009 came, we realized everything we didn't know. And it just became a big, big nightmare, lost it all, mm. including my marriage, everything. I just was at the bottom of the barrel, right? At that point, took, got another urology position, another urology position. And I realized that real estate wasn't the problem. It was that what I didn't know was the problem. And, you know, you have your blinders on it. I didn't look at it like physicians look like we look at things now. Yes, we know what we know. I know urology. But if you have a heart problem, I'm not going to try to fix your heart problem. I know I need somebody else. In real estate, arrogant doctors, I was one, think we know everything. And like, how hard can this be, right? Okay, there's a lot to know. (laughs) So that's what I realized got in some groups with some really smart people who were way smarter than me with real estate, ultimately found social impact investing where the real estate you're investing in or the business you're investing in can actually have a positive impact in the community. Long story short, money, money with mission was ultimately born. And this has been a 20 year process. Mm -hmm. Um, And the things I've learned, the bad advice I've gotten, the, lawyers who steered me down the wrong path, the accountants that steered me down the wrong path, the the, uh, the professionals out there who we think are like us physicians and will tell you the risks of things you're thinking of doing. They don't do that. They think, mm-hmm. you know, you tell me to do this. So I'm doing that. And then you find out there was a problem. It's like, Oh, I thought you met. I don't, I don't ever want that to happen to anybody again. Mm-hmm. So money with mission vets projects, I've been around, I've gone to lots, I've spent a lot of money going to networking events, talking to different sponsors, talking to um, different accountants, lawyers, bookkeepers, understanding how they work, working with them for a little while. And now I have this ability to connect women who realize that they want to invest off Wall Street, they want to have an impact in their communities, connect them with these projects that can do that for them and give them a bottom line, increase their bottom line, have cash flow. Now we're not talking about cash flow for retirement, even though that's what you ultimately will have. If you choose to stay where you are, I'm talking about cash flow now so Mm -hmm. that when Dr. Joe tells you that you have to stay and work another 12 hours after you've already been there 12 or the insurance cuts back one more time or whatever. And you want to like, I'm done you can really be done and not have to just suck it up and keep doing what you're doing faster and harder. Mm. That's a powerful mission. And when I think about like creating systemic change, if there's anything that I've learned in my time of being aware of that and caring, um, well, caring enough to want to do something, I've always cared. um, It's that we can't always like change the system from the inside. Sometimes we need to go outside the system to change it. Like I think trying to fix or repair, or like you were saying, you know, plastering over the cracks uh, maybe doesn't actually change it. Maybe it takes too long. So maybe we go, we do something else. Now all these women who work with you are empowered with choice, Mm -hmm. something that we're losing in this country. So you know, sorry, I just have to say that, Um, you know, 
having options, like that sounds very privileged, but maybe if we all have one glimmer, even just a glimmer that something could be different. Now we're empowered to choose differently and we can continue to do that along the way. I don't even know how having an option and I'm sure there's somebody out there who says, well, those privileged women have an option. Like that's not even a, we live in the United States of America and we just had a, I'm going to say it, we just had 4th of July, not that long ago. And we are supposed to have, be free, have mm-hmm. choices, be able to make choices. Yeah. I agree with you what you said under your breath a little bit, but not so <laughs> under your breath about the choices being <laughs> taken away. But we yeah. have to fight for that. We can't yeah. just sit back and let that crap happen. We can't. Yeah. yeah. It just, the more people, and unfortunately, or fortunately in our country, we do, fortunately, we know, unfortunately, it is money. It is money that, gives you power. And when you have it, you can change whatever you want to change. It really comes down to that. So that's how I decided to attack the system. It's like, let's make everybody have money. Everybody can have it. I really believe that. I really do. It's not just limited to 1% or half percent. Yeah. No. And it doesn't necessarily need to be multiple six, seven, eight figures. I think that I mean, that'd be great. Yes. Like I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for that kind of wealth and not so much about the billionaires and, you know, all that, whatever, but what you do with it and how you yeah. behave around it and all that kind of thing. You, you, this, the, I've got mine, you can't have any mentality. It's got to go. There's always okay. enough. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, this is why I lean towards more stakeholder capitalism, right? Like there's not the current setup that we have is so much about zero sum. Somebody has to lose in other in order for other people to gain. And yet there's more than enough. There's there is more than enough. This is the thing that's so frustrating. And then you look at like the numbers in this country and how many more people slip into poverty every single year. Yes. And how much income goes up for the people in that top whatever percent. Um that's to me it's unconscionable. That's not it's not it, poverty is not like a moral failing. Poverty is a systemic issue. So even if somebody who's in the lower uh, income rungs is able to create another stream of income, even just that little bit of increase, I wish it would be more for them. But like, let's just say, it opens up opportunities. I I really believe something happens. I mean, we people may love Maslow's hierarchy, may not, but if our basic needs aren't being met, we are stuck in survival mode and there's not, it doesn't feel like we have options. Yeah. So I get like my feathers really ruffled when people say things like, well, if you don't like where you live, just move. I'm like, do you know how much it costs to move? (laughs) And to money, right? (laughs) Some of, you know, if we want to talk about privilege to be able to even have the privilege of thinking you can move. Mm Mm-hmm. Huge. I mean, yeah, that is something. Yeah. To think, oh, I can just move. Mm-hmm. That there's a lot of people who can't just move. If you're not, if one is not resourced properly. Yes. And sufficiently. Yes. There are very few options. And having had lack of resources for long periods mm-hmm. of time, like mm-hmm. your whole life really can c- take away your ability to be resourceful. 
Yes. So yeah, the the whole mindset around it is uh, there's just so much. There's so much, and you know the the words. Yeah. This is going to cause some people to feather up. I think systemic racism, just the mm-hmm. systemic poverty, which we even said is just there's there's just a mindset around some people just will be poor. One of the wealthiest countries on the planet, and we have shocking poverty. We just hide it well. We have nobody amazing says marketing. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? why do people have to be poor? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's complicated for sure. Yes. yes. Yeah. Why do people have ha, don't why are people without homes? It's complicated mm-hmm. for sure. But how many empty housing units do we have in this country? And how many smart people are here? Yeah. <laughs> that can work this out. Right? If we would come together. We don't have totally. to silo it out. The homeless, mm-hmm. we take care of the people who are unhoused. We take care of the people without insurance. We take care put it all together yeah. and let's figure out how to make this work. We could pull resources. <gasps> Isn't that what we do when we use insurance? <laughs> I'm just saying for the people who might go, oh my God, that's socialism. You know, like uh, highways, municipal water, the electric grid, internet. <laughs> you're, you're enjoying socialism. So what if we pooled resources and we lifted up? I mean, all, econ- all real economics, not like Reaganomics, all real economics shows that when you lift the lower rungs, when you provide a hand up, you know, support, everybody wins. So, you know, we're talking about impoverished people, but I think this is also true for people who feel stuck in a system that's harming them or that's not supporting what they really want to be doing or, you know, looking at like, professional women, I'm going to say medical people, especially like, I want to support my patients this way. But if I'm stuck in this cycle of barely making it, if I'm not wearing roller skates every day and barely spending five minutes with my patients and also burning out and getting health issues, then, you know, then I'm not going to make it, but there's a way to do it differently. And I think when we find creative ways to make it possible, things start to shift it's really sad that we have to be creative about it. It's just, I know it should be yeah. <laughs> yeah. just to be pretty straightforward. Yeah. The, the other thing that I see is that if we physicians got to spend more time with every patient, actually, I believe the cost of healthcare would go down it because less would. people would need medication. We'd spend more time educating mm-hmm. and not just handing out a pill or you here, I, here's a, pill for this. Here's a pill for that. Here's a pill for that. And having, you know, five layers deep of a pill box for, a 60 year old. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's not, that's not health, no. right? That's not, I, I very much appreciate the magic of medicine, not the magic, but you know, the, the benefits of medicine for the things that require it. Yes. Um, but I think we, I have experienced being handed a prescription and sort of patted on the head for something that was completely unrelated to why I went in. It was a thyroid issue, but they didn't run a whole panel. So they didn't, you know, so I got handed a prescription for Prozac. They were like, it sounds like you have an adjustment disorder because you, you know, you're tired a lot. And, you know, I was like, but does, so does Prozac make my hair grow back? (laughs) Will it make my eyebrows fill back in? Will it take care of these weird joint things that are happening? All I needed was a new prescription for my thyroid medicine. And I got, by the way, this was at a major highly respected medical institution. 
<laughs> and I wonder, I, I know the statistic is there and probably need, maybe you do have it. How many, we talked, we, I don't know if we were on record when we were talking about women and how we are gaslighted mm -hmm. in our health. So yep. that is one of those times when it was. Yep. And if you didn't have a thought, if you didn't, if you were the, in the paternalistic, the doctor is the God and knows everything you might've taken that and still wondered five years later, why you have no That's hair and why your yeah. eyebrows aren't there and why I now yeah. I'm on five other medications for my joint pain. And I'm taking mm -hmm. this Nutrafol for my hair to grow back and I'm taking this, yep. you know? Yeah. And I will say it was a female physician and a female medical student. Yeah. And I left and I cried. I sat in my car and I cried. And then I, I went to an integrative clinic instead. The I have choice. I have to pay out of pocket for that but I had the choice to do that. Yes. And I don't yeah. want to, I'm thank you for saying that it was a female physician and medical student, because it's not just men who do that. Mm -mm, it's this not. Is I mean, a it's a systemic problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a systemic problem. Yeah. So it, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I was shocked. I left and I was like, wow, that felt like 1950s. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Not that I was well, born. Imagine then, 1950 but, was because neither one of us were there. Right? No, gosh, no. My <laughs> mother was born in 1950. She actually was born in 1950. Um, but you know, like that's what happened. Oh, women have hysteria, so they, you know, it's your thyroid. It's not your thyroid that's making you feel like absolute garbage. It must be. You must need. Uh, and I'm very like I very much appreciate medicine for mental health. I know lot plenty of people who really would not be functional without their Prozac yes. or whatever it is that they take. So that's not what this is about. But like I went in for something that I already had. It was like a already documented condition. That's so wild. I will go there for like my mammograms, and if I ne ever needed a heart surgery, I'll go there. But I will not go there for primary care. Right? Yeah. yeah. Once a year, they get to see my beautiful face and other parts. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> but I think, you know, again, I do think that this, the pandemic has made people think more about their health, not like what's wrong with them or how to fix what's wrong with people, but what can I do to get healthier? I, I have a client that practices in rural Georgia, and they said, we are Lord, like we are in this very rural, lower income community and people would come into the hospital and say, I have all these aches and pains and all these complaints. How can you fix it? Give me some medicine, whatever. And now they're coming in and going, how can I get healthier? Mm. So if this is happening in rural America, that makes me so happy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so people are starting to advocate for their health. People who may not even have access to what they need to improve their health are starting to ask. This gives me hope. This is why I do what I do to support yeah. my clients in providing that level of care and education and being able to do that. And I coming back to money with mission putting, helping these professional women who are in whatever careers they're in, but particularly for people who are in medicine, not being beholden to the system and being able to come back and show up and practice the way you wanted to practice, the way you probably envisioned practicing while you're in school. Yeah. That yeah. is a game changer. Yes. Yes. I'm going to go back to being healthier and what can we do when they don't have the resources? The number one resource is healthy food. Mm -hmm. We get healthy food, healthy food, nutrient dense food, locally sourced food. Yep. Um, that's a game changer. 
if if we could get that to be the same price or around the same price as McDonald's, crazy. that would be we amazing. Go, we go. Oh my gosh. Mm. Working on it. Working mm. on it. What I love seeing, again, this is kind of like, it's sad that it has to be this way, but here it is. Here we are, and we need to be resourceful and figure it out. It's like here locally, um, we're not far from Raleigh, North Carolina. There's a there's like a cooperative black farmer's market that also uh-huh. has a nonprofit arm. Uh-huh. And they're in the nonprofit arm. What they do is they deliver like CSA type uh-huh. um, boxes of fresh fruits, vegetables, and other locally sourced like meats and dairy and things like that. Yeah. Two families at no cost. Yep. Two families who are in food deserts who do not don't even, you know, they've never had fresh vegetables until this happened, right? Until this started coming nice. their way. And it's like beautiful. It's a lovely thing. That's one of the things I do in Tulsa is I'm a part of um Fresh Rx is a program that we started to provide diabetics, out of control diabetics with fresh fruits and vegetables twice a week, education, mm. cooking. Um, and following them is we're in, we're going into our third year, um, and just with food decreasing A1Cs, people who had been out of control for a long time, A1Cs decreased. Our best was from 10 to six in a year. Whoa. Eating well. Mm. Anybody who doesn't know A1C of 10 is out of control. A1C of six is kind of normal. Um, so we know, and across the country, we know, around the world, we know that food is the basis of health. Absolutely. And being able to provide it, the fact that, well, my daughter worked at um, Haagen-Dazs a long time ago, and somebody from, I think, Australia or New Zealand came in, and they were talking about food and how in whatever country they were from, snack food was way more expensive and unhealthy food was way more expensive than healthy food. So there, again, another systemic problem and probably the basis of comes from our, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Let me know. Let me start there, but <laughs> farmers aren't farming yeah. the way we need to farm. That's a whole yeah. climate. There's a, there's ever so much is wrapped up in that. Yeah. Healthy food is the base and making it affordable for people shouldn't be a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Should that should be like the least of our problems. So that that is a big place that I'm advocating right now. One of the things we did, one of the reasons I moved to Tulsa was we opened a grocery store in a food desert there. So one of the first it was the first grocery store, full service grocery store in 14 years, 10 years, um, in that neighborhood. Wow. There was North Tulsa is 30 something thousand people and there was no grocery store. That's insanity. Dollar general, dollar store, quick trip, all the, you know, fast, every fast food Mm -hmm. you can think of to Mm -hmm. buy was there. Mm -hmm. And Tulsa Tulsa had done a resilience paper that showed that people of North Tulsa lived 11 years less than the people of the rest of Tulsa. So one city, one city. Is it just about food? No, there's lots of stuff going on. Sure but you can bet that food has a big part of it. If you can't get healthy food or what about if you just had to worry all the time, like you have to to get on the bus and go wherever to get the food and you can't buy frozen. You can't buy this because you got to get back on the bus and take another two hours to get back home. That's two hours out of your day. Yeah. That's two hours of mind power. Now you can go up the street and get your groceries. How much you got free time. Yeah. You can think you don't have to, you know, you, 
you can make a plan. You, you can, can make plans. Learn for something a whole bunch new. Of yeah. A bunch you can of spend quality time with your families and and or whoever and yeah. doing things that you love with people that you love and bring your stress levels down and maybe like have a different round job out your life. Maybe <gasps> have a different job because maybe <laughs> you don't have brain fog anymore because you, you actually have, have nutrients getting <laughs> into your system. <laughs> right? I mean, it, yes. come on. <laughs> so that yeah. and then we have I work with another group called RG Foods and we're building food boxes. So taking truck um shipping containers turning them into grocery stores, not just mm. a place where food is thrown in there, but it is a store. If you think about New York, New York City and the stores that are on the corners, that yeah. kind of thing but yeah. with fresh food, fresh, not just canned, not just Twinkies, not just tohos and that kind of stuff, but fruits yeah. and vegetables, plus all the canned stuff too, that you mm-hmm. might need in your, to take care of your family. So those, right. those are two big things we're doing that we want to expand across the country. Once we get the, um, once we get the whole um, pro formas and we get everything all figured out mm-hmm. and we'll be able to, to put that out there as investments, just make that that's the kind of social impact I want to have. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Well, I think that I would love to be able to tell people where to find you and to, and if they want to support FreshRx and RG Foods or get involved in some way, how can they get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me. The easiest is moneywithmission.com. Um, there's a button, big blue button up there that says book a call. Um, there's lots of free resources on there. So I love talking to people. So I'm not going to, I might try to sell you something, but <laughs> for a good for a good cause so it's all good <laughs> mom's got to pay her bills know you. that is the number one thing what you're interested yeah. in what you want and what you're trying to do if i can help you i can help you if i can't help you i know a whole bunch of people who mm. are available and want to make the world a better place and have you a part of that so that's that. that's the number one moneywithmission.com we will make sure that it's easily clickable in the show notes as well so that people can come and find you readily. Well, I, I pronounced your name wrong at the beginning. I checked your last name, but not your first name. I'm so sorry. Felicia, it yes. has been so wonderful having you on the show. And I'm curious if you have a bit of parting wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners. I had my number one is take care of yourself, which is something that I'm still struggle with on a regular basis. And I give it out to everybody else. Number two is, and and actually it's number one, next to number one. So one and 1.1 is whatever you're thinking of doing, whatever you think is your thing to do, start now. Mm. Don't, don't, you don't have to wait till you retire. You don't have to wait till your kids are grown. You don't have to wait for whatever you're thinking you have to wait for. Start now. It makes a difference. I love that. Thank you so much. I, this conversation has been just so rich and I'm, I just think you're doing great work and your, your, your passion and your intention, like there's passion that just sort of floats around. And then there's passion with extremely intentional action. That's you. <laughs> and I, I just so appreciate all the work that you're doing. And I'm just thrilled to have had you on the show. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tracy. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thriving Practice. I appreciate you. And I have an ask. If you got value from this show, make sure to share it. You can give a shout out on social media or tell your friends and colleagues about it. You can also subscribe so you never miss a show. 
To learn more about how we work with practice owners to help them take back their time, head over to tracytrupesky.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter, which has tips and tools for your practice success. A special thanks to our incredible team and thanks to you, our dear listener, for sharing the gift of your time and attention. I wish you so much success as you continue to move forward in your day. If I can be a resource to you, let's schedule a time to talk. You can find the scheduling link on our website.